Welcome back, Sam Thido here, and it is my honor to be the host of this podcast, We Are Human. Now, my next guest uh, is uh, is someone I actually played football with, uh, is now a, uh, a professional rugby league coach, uh, and it's my honor and privilege to introduce you all to Anthony Seabold. Mate, uh, welcome to the podcast, mate. Thank you, Sammy, mate. It's my, my pleasure, mate. My pleasure. Now, uh, rugby league for you. Um, you grew up in uh, Central Queensland. Was yeah. there was there any other choice? No, mate. Um, pretty much, um, you know, probably like you up in Townsville, mate, in Rocky um, and Yapoon, where I went to school. Mate, it was uh, rugby league during the winter and cricket during the summer, and um, that's pretty much all we had as choices back in those days. But yeah, we loved it. Um, loved everything about footy and cricket and. Um, yeah, really enjoyed it growing up. Now, you were a handy young uh, rugby league player yourself. Um, who was the first one to sign? Did you sign with Canberra Raiders as a, as a young fella? Yeah, well, actually, I was at the Bronx first yeah. um, as a young kid. So Cyril actually signed me when I was 17. And um, lived with Wendell Saylor down there for a couple of years. Oh. So um, <laughs> that was an experience, as you'd know. Did you um, get any time in the shower at all? Because he would have been hogging the mirror. No, mate, he was hogging around over that. Uh, no, that was really good. I had um, had four years there as a young fellow from 17 through to 21. And um, uh, for three of those years, living with Wendell, uh, first of all, with um, some parents that Cyril put us in with, like a homestay yep. for a year. And then we went out by ourselves for, for two years. Um, so, yeah, it was a good couple of years. I really enjoyed it. And then, you know, as you said, mate, I went down to Canberra. So I only played lower grades at Brizzy, but I was fortunate enough to play first grade down to Canberra and um, enjoyed my time at both clubs. And you went and spent a bit of time overseas playing a bit of uh, rugby league over yeah. there as well? Yeah, mate. No, it was a really good experience. Um, went over and played in the Super League for London Broncos to start with. And then I played for a team called Hull, Hull Kings of Rose, um, or Hull KR, uh, which is the red and white team um, in Hull. Pretty famous Northern English club. So, yeah, a couple of really good experiences over there, mate. And, um, and then come back and play my last year of footy and you played a little bit in the Clydes that year. So, um, yeah, had a good time playing footy, mate. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, we definitely did enjoy those days. Now, this whole time you were playing uh, rugby league and, and uh, pursuing a professional career, you're also studying at the same time. Yeah, which, which I suppose... Um, when I first came to the Broncos, mate, like it was before Super League had come in, so it was before all the players were full time. And um, Cyril, as you know, mate, like he was um, really big in um, in the players doing something else, you know, whether it was a traineeship or working or studying or whatever, and um, had decent marks, mate. So he really encouraged me to go to uni, yeah. and probably influenced me to be, be a teacher, mate, because he was an old school teacher himself. And um, yeah, he sort of encouraged me to go down that route. As I said, mate, I. I am um, well. My last year, the Broncos as a kid, mate. I was 21. I was teaching the year six class, um, and then we'd go and train in the afternoon. And um, yeah, footy didn't go professional until '97, and that's when I went um, when I was at Raiders, mate. So I had already taught for a year before I went full time. Um, so yeah, when I came back and, and played that last year Queensland Cup, mate, I went straight back into school teaching after a pretty long break. Do you think that's a good or a bad thing? Um, you know, for for players like yourself having something away from rugby league, not necessarily as a distraction, but also as something to fall back on? Do you yeah. think that that's not being pushed enough in, in the modern well, era? Well, you know what, mate? I, look, I, I think it's great. I, when 
when the Holden Cup or Toyota Cup, you know, the under twenties competition was in, yeah. you know, it was compulsory for all the players signed with all the clubs to have to, you know, do some sort of study or traineeship or working to be able to play in the under twenties program. And I really liked that because I, you know, I, you know, distraction maybe um, is not the best word to use, but I, th- I thought it was great um, having something to do outside of footy. Cause you know, yourself, mate, like when it's just only, focus and I saw it a lot last year with a lot of the young guys I was coaching Uh, when it's your only focus and you're not doing that well as a team or individually mate like all your thoughts are just in that space whereas if you're studying or you've got a business away from from footy or your interest away from footy mate you know you you can um yeah put your thoughts and interests into somewhere else and um because as you know mate footy's only a really small part of our lives so I think it's really important to have something else, um, you know, whether it's qualifications or or other interests, mate. Yeah, as, as you said, footy does not last forever. Uh, it's yeah. only such a small part of our lives uh, in the long uh, scheme of things. And you did something that not a lot of people actually get to do and, and play in a professional team. Uh, at what point in time in your career did you go, you know, I actually might want to be a coach? Man, it's probably, um, probably off the back of some coaches I had. You know, they were, they were um, yeah, good people, learned a lot from them. Um, you, know, it got, you know, a guy like John Dixon, mate, who coached yeah. you a little bit as a young bloke. Papa Smurf. Yeah, Papa Smurf. Um, yeah, just a good bloke. He was, a, You know, you could tell he was a teacher, but he was really good for young players' development. And, and he probably went my appetite a little bit. You know, that year that I played with you, I was 31, I think it was, and um, I was teaching. So I was coaching school footy teams and then, Obviously, one of the reasons why they got me there was, um, you know, not to put pressure on blokes playing first grade, but actually to help the younger guys um, in that team. So in some ways, I probably started to do a little bit of mentoring and coaching them, mate. And I, that sort of wet my appetite. Um, so, yeah, probably back into my career, I, I started to think a little bit more about coaching and, um, and being a teacher probably was a pretty natural transition in a lot of ways. Now, uh, you kind of did your apprenticeship uh, as a coach under some some big names. You would have taken little bits from coaches that you had as a player. Yeah. But also, when you're an assistant coach, do you take little bits from from everyone that uh, you're, you're working with? Yeah, certainly I did, mate. I think um, I think back as a player, and um, like, for instance, Mel Meninga was my coach down at the Raiders, and, and you would have had Mel in Origin, obviously. And, yeah, Mel's not um, one for, you know, too much... X's and O's and strategy, but he had a real presence about him. And I remember playing for Mel. He was a hero of mine going up, mate, you know, in yeah. Queensland up. So, mate, whatever Mel sort of said to me, mate, I just, yeah. look, I was 22, 23, 24 down there. I just wanted to do it, you yeah, know. jump how high. <laughs> yeah, no, and it was like that, yeah. mate, you know. So Mel didn't probably teach me a lot about the game, but, geez, I wanted to play for him, mate, you know, because of his presence and his aura. And like I said, being a Queenslander, mate, he was just an idol of mine, so... Yeah, that was that was great. But he also had, um, you know, he also had a lot of things to like about as a coach. He was, you know, really good with regards to, um, you know, keeping young guys um, engaged and using his senior players. Because at the time it was like Bobby Daly and Ricky Stewart and those sort of guys. So he used them a lot as sounding boards. Yeah. So I probably took a little bit away from him. Um, took a lot away from Crab Bellamy. In, in you know, in, in all honesty, probably you know, Bellac influenced me the most from my time down at Melbourne. Um, John Dixon, I spoke about before, just from a yep. um, yeah, development point of view. And and I worked for a year with with Malcolm Maguire and Trent Barrett each, and, and they both you know had some some different ways about them as well. That you, you sort of um, you take away some good ideas from those guys. So I was really fortunate maybe to work for some really good coaches, and you take away a little bit, but obviously you also got your own way of doing things and. 
Um, yeah, but, you know, it's all part of the experience as a coach. And you get some things right, some things wrong, but it's always about learning. You got the chance and opportunity to go back to uh, Rockhampton and you got to coach up there at a, um, at a Queensland Cup level. Uh, how was that for you to kind of give back to the community that, you know, kind of grew you as a footballer? Yeah, yeah. Well, it was actually uh, Mackay, mate, um, which was only, like, obviously had a lot to do um, with Rocky Mackay, Gladstone, those areas growing up. So when I was coming back from the UK um, after I started coaching over there uh, with John Nixon, mate, it was great to come back to the like, area. I saw mum and dad a whole heap more. Yeah. There was a lot of people who I went to school with in Mackay. Um, and, you know, like country footy's good, mate, you know. We, we didn't have the best Queensland Cup side, but certainly we competed really strongly. And, um, you know, I really enjoyed giving back, um, you know, to, to that community. And as I said, I had a lot to do with Mackay and Rocky um, and Gladstone in particular. At, at this point in time in your, you know, starting off your coaching career, you have, you have the girls yet? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and I had, um, well, by the time I come back to Australia, I had all three girls, um, but they were only sort of uh, little. They they all had um, Welsh accents from um, <laughs> their time over in South Wales because that's where I started coaching. I had um, about four years over there as a coach. So they had Welsh accents, mate. We turned up to Mackay and, you know, like, Central Queensland people, like, mate, like, they stood out. Um, yeah. But, yeah, um, it's always been hard moving the girls around, but also it's part of their journey. You know, I'm sure they'll... Um, have a lot of good experiences, you know, as they sort of go into, you know, the teenage years now and, and my oldest has finished school now, mate. So, yeah, they've had um, they had to move around a lot, but, um, yeah, it was, it was good for, for their life experience as well. Yeah, now you worked your way through the ranks uh, an assistant coach as well, uh, and then you get your chance opportunity uh, at the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Yeah. You couldn't have picked a, a bigger club to, to be the head yeah. coach of. You know, a club that's been around for a hundred plus years. <laughs> yeah, it had been a long journey as a coach. I think um, I'd already been coaching for twelve years full time. Yeah. Um, by the time I got that opportunity, and as you say, mate, you know, I'd done a bit of an apprenticeship, and and one of the things I thought held me in really good stead, mate, taking over that role was I did a couple of years, and and you were in the team too, you know, with the Origin side as Kevin's yeah. assistant. Yeah. I really enjoyed that because I got to coach. Look, obviously, I've been coaching Smithy and Cooper and Billy and Will Chambers and those guys you know, down in um, Melbourne. System. Yeah. But to you know, to coach guys like yourself and um, you know Corey Parker and JT, um, you know Matty Scott, um, you know all those guys I hadn't had um, you know opportunity to to work with, mate. It was great. It was great for my confidence. It was it was great because all the players. And, and staff made me feel really accepted because, mate, obviously I was a long way from ever playing State of Origin. So to come in there as an assistant coach, I was quite nervous actually to start with, even though I knew a lot of the guys. Yeah. But um, everyone made me feel really welcome. And, and you know, um, we won both those series, you know. And it was just great to see how guys prepared. And as I said, mate, worked with, with different guys, mate. It was really good for me. So taking over South Sydney, um, you know, they had you know guys like Greg Inglis and Sammy Burgess and, and those types of guys. Um, and it was a really good transition because I'd experienced um, a lot over the journey and um, yeah, I had no sort of, um, you know, doubts or anything like that. I, I sort of was, I was ready to coach first grade. Um, yeah. And big club lot, you know, love the club. It's, um, you know, it's sort of um, really working class club with regards to yeah. who they represent in the community and fantastic indigenous ties as well. So it was just a really good, good, good fit. Cool. 
Oh, we're really um, yeah, pleased with the result, pleased with the performance, no doubt about that. I suppose it was really good performance tonight. We'll review it, we'll dump it, and then uh, we'll move on to our next job. So. Yeah, well, you were definitely ready to coach um, a first grade team. In your first season at South Sydney, you go deep into the finals. Uh, Dallium, uh, coach of the year. I remember actually seeing you backstage just before they yeah. were about to announce it, mate. You you were pretty chuffed with yourself. I was, I was really happy for you as well. How was that yeah. experience for you? Oh, yeah, no, look, that, that was a wonderful, um, you know, recognition, but it's recognition for all the staff and players, I thought, because yeah. um, the club had finished 12th two years in a row and um, we made some really big strides that year. We... You know, we were four all in a preliminary final with the Roosters. They ended up beating us 12 4 and they beat the Storm quite convincingly the following week. And in some ways, um, you know, we, we took a really big step forward. And it wasn't just myself as the head coach, it was the whole staff and the whole playing group, particularly the senior players who drove that. So, in a lot of ways, mate, it was wonderful recognition. But I was sort of picking up that award on behalf of the whole club because we made significant strides forward that year yeah it is it is a massive thing and a lot of people that sit back at home and and watch you have a crew behind you there's so many people yeah. behind a team's success and they actually don't realize it's a it's almost a it's a 12-month job isn't it you, it is mate there's yeah. no days off yeah no mate it's it's 24 7 um, even as an assistant coach, mate, you know, you'd, you'd probably would have seen some of the assistant coaches you've had over the years, mate. It's it's full on. It's, yeah. it's a big commitment. And you've got to make a lot of sacrifices. It's, it's not just, you know, hanging around, playing cards and, and having a bit of fun on the field with the players. You know, there's, there's a lot of, that goes into it. And, um, yeah, it, as I said, we, we, every club has, um, you know, big staffs and they work really hard. Yeah, definitely. Uh, now you get your chance and opportunity to uh, come back to Brisbane to be the, the head coach. Um, you know, somewhere that's near and dear to your heart. You know, uh, starting off your junior rugby league career uh, as a young as a young kid coming out of rugby, yeah. going to Brisbane. Um, dream come true, getting that job. Um, well, it, it was in a lot of ways, um, but it was also really tough too because, um, like I said before, mate, I, I, I loved South Sydney. Um, it, you know, I loved everything about the group, and we made some significant strides and. Um, I had an approach at the end of the season by the Bronx and it interests me because the year of going home and, you know, having played lower grades for the club and, and then coming back and having that year with the Clydes, I thought it'd be a great opportunity. In the end, mate, it come down to a business decision. I hate sort of talking about it like that, but, um, you know, the Bronx offered me, um, you know, a four-year deal and, and I said no and then five years and I said no and then they said, look, we'll put a six-year in your favour. And and then it was so it was twice the, the length of the South's contract and twice the financial um, reward off the back of it. And every time I said no, I was feeling a bit guilty, mate, because I thought, you know what, I'm actually taking um, opportunities away from maybe, you know, looking after my parents or um, looking after my daughters. Um and yeah, mate, it was really tough, mate. It was it was a really like it was um it was such a tough decision because um, my head said to go home and my heart said to stay. And in the end, it come down to a business decision. And some days I have regrets, mate. Some days I don't. You know, I um you know you probably can't live with regret, but it was a really tough time, mate. Yeah, really yeah. tough time. 
you get up to the club and um, you have a you have a really young list. You know, there's not a lot of senior players around you. It was uh, it was hard to get things going at the club, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was, mate. It was probably harder than well, not probably. It was a lot harder than what I thought it would be, Sammy. Yeah, like um, we. Myself and two or three other staff came on board. I think it was week five or week six of pre-season. So it was December 2018. Yeah. And literally um, I was at the movies with my girls here in Sydney. Um, I'd been with South for the first four or five weeks of pre-season training. And I got a phone call that afternoon and said, look, we've done a deal to swap you and Wayne. Um, there's a flight booked for you at six o'clock tomorrow morning. And um, which was crazy. And, um, you know, so mate, I then had to ring a couple of staff to see if they wanted to come with me. They didn't. They had 24 hours pretty much to make a decision. Um, so as a family, mate, we made the decision. I got there by myself. So, yeah, I went up there. It was challenging to start with. We had a young list um, and we started really clunky, mate. I think we only won one from our first six. Yep. But in some ways, mate, like, and this probably sounds stupid with where it ended up last year, but in some ways, 2019 year was even a bigger achievement for um, me as a coach, I suppose, in some ways, or us as a coaching group, to get the team into the finals in, in the end. Now, we got pumped. It was embarrassing, that semi-final. But from where we started, the, the youth in the group, the amount of guys we gave the booze to, to sneak into the eight was actually a pretty fair achievement, mate. Yeah. But we got pumped. You know, we got embarrassed on you know, that um, elimination final day. If we had been competitive there, mate, or won that game, then people would be saying it was a great season from where we started and whatever else. But ultimately, mate, we got pumped in the finals. Oh, just really disappointed, mate, embarrassed. So I'll have a good look at things and, and see what we need to do because in big games, for what it's worth, that's where the Broncos are at at the moment. Everyone looks at the 2020 season uh, yeah. and, uh, and the way it panned out, but that was yeah. a massive thing. So the coach swap, Halfway through preseason, uh, here you are as a coach. You need to come in and implement some, um, you know, new styles of playing with a young yeah. young group that didn't have a lot of senior leadership. Mate, you got to you got to take your hat off to yourself. You, you done a fantastic job to get them into the position they were in, and uh, couldn't agree with you more. That that was an achievement in itself. And you know, looking back in hindsight now, uh, you can go, yeah, that. We'll tick the box there. That that was really good. You, you, you then head into a um, a 2020 season, which is um, up in the air anyway. After you know round one, you yeah. you go to you go to Townsville. There's umming and ahhing before the game. Yeah, that game almost didn't happen. Yeah, I know. People yeah. don't realise my hair. Look, Whitey Paul, what the CEO and Peter and I on the GM of football, like literally were grabbing me three or four hours out from the game, saying, "Hey, this might not go ahead tonight." Yeah. I think that's you know that's sold it out, and people have travelled from all over Queensland to go. Mate, yeah, it was, it was a, um, you know, it wasn't far away from being called off. Yeah, because I remember uh, going up for that game. Uh, it was the first game at the new stadium. Yeah. And um, you know, it was so much hype around the town. Um, here it was. Um, they call it Jonathan Thurston Stadium now. Well, <laughs> JT does, but uh, he does, yeah. And I can remember sitting there as well, getting the same. Uh, text messages, uh, we were checking government websites yeah. uh, and, and the game almost didn't happen. But you, you come out, you, you win that first game, uh, then round two you take on South Sydney uh, and, and you beat them in a, in a tough yeah. game as well with no crowd. Yeah. Uh, how, was, how was that, uh, you know, that was kind of the first kind of experience of that whole 
COVID era. Yeah, well, it was an interesting time, mate. Um, the first game I thought we were outstanding against the Cowboys, you know, in front of Full House up there. Um, we we're probably underdogs in some ways, but we come out and just really perform, um, you know, well off the back of a, a tough preseason. We changed a lot of things up in the preseason with regards to trying. Uh, you know how flash the training facilities and all that are yeah. um, at the Bronx. I always had concerns that, you know, we had given the players too much and they were too entitled and so on um, with regards to what was provided for them. So we went back to the old facility for the bulk of the preseason, which yeah. I thought was a good thing to try and, you know, earn their way back over to the brand new facility. And we come out and played really well. And then week two, um, like, you know, how good the South Sydney side is, mate, we... We come out and, um, you know, we played another really, really good game. You know, I think we ended up winning 22-18 or something like that. But we were up 22-12 and they scored late and we were really in control for most of the game. So it was a strange um, game because it was the first game without crowd. Yeah. So it was a strange old game. But we played well. We, we, we didn't let it impact us. And, um, you know, uh, Milford scored an exceptional try that night. Um, we just played really well. The feel after that game, mate, was was as good of the field as it was when I was at South Sydney. Like everyone, you know, was enjoying each other's company at the time. We're in the change rooms, having a beer together. We were in a good place. And we knew the comp may not continue to go ahead. But when it did break for COVID, mate, I thought we were in a really good place. Yeah. We had a few injuries, um, but I thought like we'd really bonded as a group and um, we're well connected and um, we went on the break with high hopes. Yeah. What happened on the break? I wish I knew, mate. Can I swear? (laughs) Yeah, you (laughs) Um, can swear, mate. (laughs) Oh, look, I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know what impacted the the, the group the most. The one thing was we we were told initially we weren't coming back until September. Yeah. or, Or, you know, August, September. And so as a club, we decided to get anyone operated on who needed operations. So day for feed, for instance, yep. um, 12 week, you know, operation recovery, we got him operated on. So anyone who had any eagles, we got him into surgery straight away. But all of a sudden, um, Peter Volandis, who did an exceptional job getting the game back, he had the game come back in May. Now, a lot of our planning was in and around coming back later on. That's the same with all clubs. And I don't, I'm not sure why we didn't get that period right with regards to um, we felt as though the players worked um, diligently whilst they were away. We came back, saw they were a little bit off the pace. Yep. Um, but I think we had a three-week prep. Oh, at the end of the third week was our first game against Parramatta. So two-week prep and then a week's prep for the game. And they changed the rules, as you know, mate. Yep. And we were the guinea pigs. We were the Thursday night game when we come back. And we weren't too bad. Um, but we lost a couple other players, influential players in the game. Like, you know, Jakey Turpin got injured and a few other guys got injured in that game, like Katoni Staggs and might, might have even been a suspension or two, but we lost four or five that game. And um, we probably just were, were off the pace a bit, power pumped us, and then the next week we had a pretty young side going against Roosters and we got beaten by over 50, mate. So it was a really tough start. And then all the... The negativity and, yeah, you know, it all started to seep into the place, um, I felt, after that. Did you feel that um, the, well, essentially it was the rugby league bubble, so you could pretty much go to training, go home, go to the shop and get essentials and go home, and that was it. Do you think that affected the group a lot more than it affected other teams? 
I think so, mate. Well, I mean, I hate making excuses, but I think it did have an impact. We had a look. We had the youngest roster in the competition, right? Yeah. That was the reality of it. And for them to lose their social connection, you know, whether it was with, um, you know, groups groups of you know, friends they used to friends hang out family, with, or yes. families, or yeah. whatever it was. And then we had some of the older boys who had families, um, who again it was quite challenging because they just home with the family to work back home now it doesn't sound like a lot but it when when you're physically getting bashed up you know in games and you're physically preparing during the week training wise you know what it's like mate you're sore it's hard the, the games are hard and, and and physical and then you've sort of got no outlet to go and and as we spoke before get away from footy yeah thought it impacted so i saw a lot of guys really challenged with the mental side of things, you know, coming in the train and being a bit down. And obviously we were losing games when we come back. So, mate, the media spotlight, as you know, mate, there, there was cameras at every session and coming into the car parks and all that sort of stuff. And I thought it weighed really heavily on, on us. Um, I certainly know it weighed heavily on me um, because I cared about the group. I cared about what we were trying to do. Um, but, yeah, it was challenging, mate. I think it did impact us. There's no doubt about that. Uh, personally, I thought you took a lot of the burden on yourself. Uh, when it comes to some of the losses, um, what type of sport did you have around yourself? Um, mate, it was hard. Obviously, I had my, my wife and my two youngest girls up with me. My oldest girl was living with some family friends doing year 12 in Sydney. Um, we made a decision as a family for her to finish school down, down in Sydney. So, um, you yeah, obviously had family support there, but, um, mate, it was hard. I, I, you know, I must admit, mate, um, yeah, the... the um, Spotlight sort of weighed heavily in a lot of ways, mate. Um, and even for myself, I, I couldn't get away from footy. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I'd come home, the phone would be ringing all night, um, you know. And, you know, I probably wasn't at my best either, mate, because I wasn't sleeping great. And I I um, tried to outwork the situation, if that made sense. Yeah. yeah. Rather than exercising and, you know, doing some mindfulness. Um, you know, in a lot of ways, I... As coaches, you know, you, you, in some ways you, you put yourself last or you you put the work first. And, mate, so physically and emotionally and, and mentally, I was nowhere near at my best either, mate. Um, so that's why, I, you know, I, um, you know I, yeah, I wasn't at my best there either. And um, it probably told on the players too because, you know, I cared about the group, um, you know, you, you don't have great relationships with everybody, as you know. Yeah. Um, I tried to build good relationships with, with the guys. Um, but I, I sort of, you know, that you ever watch The Simpsons, Sammy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so have you ever seen that episode where Heimer backs right at, back into the bushes? Yeah. Have you ever seen that one? Yeah. Oh, okay. That, that's in some ways how I felt a little bit, mate. You know, as the spotlight come on to me as the coach and whether I'm the right person and, yeah, you know, look, let's be honest, mate. There's a lot of agendas um, in the background, and they were since day one when I arrived. Um, he was under the pump from the start. I mean, he was copying criticism from the very outset, really. And I think, mate, I felt really isolated. That's probably the best way to explain it. It's like almost like Homer Simpson backing off into the into the bushes. I felt a lot of people um, close to me in trusted positions um, across the organisation started um, backing away from me a little bit, yeah. and. Um, and I probably didn't handle well. Not probably. I didn't handle that well either. So, 
um, as a head coach, you've got to put your hand up and you're responsible for the performances. And in the end, that's why I resigned, Sammy, because I wasn't at the best. And I thought the best thing for the club was for me to exit and, um, and give, the, give the group a fresh start. All right, let's get into tonight's agenda. And after months of speculation, the Brisbane Broncos have finally brought to an end one of the more tumultuous coaching tenures in recent memory. Well, it was a constant. It was a, It was an every day. There was a, there was another article. There was another news story. Uh, and again, not having any of that escape. At, at that point in time, mentally, where were you at? Were you broken? Um, well, I, mate, I was pretty disciplined with regards to not watching any of the you know, rugby league shows or um, reading the newspapers. But, you know, when a lot of your mates reach out to your, you know, my mum, you know, uh, I'm sure it's the same in your career, you know, like people closest to you and who care for you the best are always reaching out. So, you know, when people send you a message, oh, mate, just hang in there or don't, you know, don't worry about what they're saying, you know, know, you're a good person, you're you're a good coach. I'm thinking, okay, I'm getting smashed here. What what hurt me a bit, mate, was... um, you know, I had cameras um, camped outside my house at different periods of time, which I thought was a little bit unfair. And I got followed um, home on two occasions. Once Peter Jan was in the car and went out and chased the bloke, you know, so the people trying to take the photo and stuff like that, um, you know, um, journalists, you know, photographers. Yeah. Um, so I found that really hard, mate. So you know, mentally, no, I wasn't in a good spot at all. Yeah. And... Um, you know, I, I, I did talk to someone that Adam Walsh, but you know, organised for me in a way, in some ways, just a vent, mate. And um, because I'd lost a lot of trust in people, Sammy, you know, so I didn't know who I could have honest, you know, have conversations with without getting it repeated. A lot of stuff that I was talking to people about or in a sanctum stuff was getting leaked to the media, which is just, um, I've never seen that at another club mate so I I lost a lot of trust in, in people that I had trust in and so by getting Walshy who for those who don't know Adam's ex- SAS he's the head of welfare at the Broncos and, and Walshy said to me mate look I think you should have a chat to someone who's a good person and you can trust him so that's essentially what it was mate and it was about having a conversation or having conversations in other van and knowing that it wasn't going the to conversation go yeah it wasn't going to go anywhere else uh, I'm sure you understand that, you know. Um, but, yeah, mate, it was a horrible time, though. And then, you know, obviously the, I got smashed on social media with regards to, the, you know, defamatory rumours and um, stuff like that, mate. So, mate, I just, yeah. To be fair, I don't know how I got through it, mate, in a lot of ways as far as seems surreal, you know, now. Yeah, well, you look back on it and it, it, it does not seem real at all. And, and yeah, you add... That extra social media, um, uh, you know, we, we've got news and television, we've got uh, newspapers yeah. uh, to report on all these rugby league things, but it's that social media side of things, which is the which is the one that there's no fact to anything that yeah. you can say whatever you want and put anything yeah. you want out there, and, and and a lot of people don't know or understand that and how uh, hurtful that can can actually be, and it's. But I get that, Sammy, you know, because social media platforms can be a really positive thing, mate. Like, so, you know, you, mate, you know, being a, a well-known, um, you know, ex-player who's in the media now, you know, it, it's a great tool for you to talk to, um, you know, your fans yeah. um, and Broncos members and supporters, rugby league members and supporters. 
So there's some really positive things about it. Um, but as you said before, the, the thing that happened with me, and you know, I don't have to go through the rumours because you've heard them all. You know, me sleeping with players' wives and and buying, you know, being given drugs by a player's wife and all sorts of crazy nonsense, mate. Now, that just got spread and spread and spread and spread. Now, I don't know where it started. We hired cybersecurity. We got some information. Um, in the end, the um, police couldn't make any charges yep. because there's no legislation around that space. Now, one of your colleagues at Channel 9, Erin Mullen, yeah, called me out of the blue yeah. and said, we need to make a stand here. You're not big. You're not tough. You're scum of the earth. Online trolls mounting a relentless campaign to destroy his reputation. You know, my situation went viral on social media. Um, you know, defamatory comments. Um, yeah, my reputation was ru ruined in a lot of respects. That was off the back of people being able to say whatever they want. Now, the only way you get charged, at, at, you know, with the current legislation was for, um, you know, if you threat to, to harm somebody. Um, and or racial uh, vilification, yeah. and rightly so. Yeah. But you can make up a rumour about whatever you want and put it out there, and if it goes viral, there's no recourse other than going down the civil route. Now, if you go down the civil route, you can be in court for 18 to 24 months and you're putting your family through hell, mate. Yeah. I got encouraged when you saw last police in particular to go down the criminal route because they wanted to... Sh well, certain people there wanted to show parliamentarians or politicians how weak the legislation was. And off the back of what Aaron did, getting access to the Prime Minister and, um, you know, had conversations with uh, Paul Fletcher, the Minister for Communications, Julian McGrand, who's the East Security Commissioner, um, there's currently change occurring, you know. So there's going to be a bill passed where um, platforms won't be anonymous anymore, yep. um, where there will be financial fines and, and, and punishment for um, defamatory, um, you know, accusations or, or, or innuendo or whatever you want to call it, mate. So um, it's got a real positive place in society, but it's a, it's a jungle out there at the moment and they just need to tighten things up because it hurt me a lot, mate, and it hurt my family a lot and hurt, you know, those closest to me a hell of a lot, mate. Mate, I applaud you for being an, an advocate for change, especially in that space, because, like, literally, kids out there are taking their own lives because of Bam. because of things that have been said online. And you know, again, uh, there's not a lot of truth behind a lot of those things some of the time. So, I, I, I can only applaud you uh, for for standing up and making a stand on that. So, Seeps, yeah, well done, mate. Yeah, thanks, mate. Out of a shit situation, it's something positive you know but i wouldn't have done i probably wouldn't have, i just wanted things to go away mate so I'm, you know i've got to say i've said this a number of times but erin mullen was a trooper mate and she you know, if i didn't have her support i would have just put my head down and gone away but obviously we did 60 minutes and we you know lobbied different key people and um but she yeah she when that law passes, mate, there's a lot of people who should be thanking Erin Mullen for what she's done. That's yeah. for sure. No, she is doing a fantastic job there too. Yeah. You, you went through such uh, a tough time um, at the Brisbane Broncos. You um, stood down as a coach and you kind of escaped from footy for a while. How are you at the moment? Yeah, mate, I'm good, Sammy. Um, I moved back to Sydney. We moved back um, to where we lived last time when I was in Sydney. The the kids ha had only been up in Queensland for about eight months, um, you know, so they hadn't been away from their schools too long. Um, 
One of the, the first people to ring me after I resigned was Eddie Jones, um, the England Rugby Union coach. Yeah. He's obviously the ex Wallabies coach. Um, so he asked me to do some projects for him, um, which which I've done, um, which has been really good. Um, so doing a little bit there for, for him with regards to looking at some stuff in Rugby Union. You're not uh, scared off becoming a, uh, or getting a, a head coaching job again? Well, I don't know, Sammy, mate. I'm still healing in a lot of ways. You yeah. know, I work really hard for 15 years. and um, uh, The thing that upsets me, mate, is the constant innuendo or, or rumours about um, you know, different things that, that continue to come up, mate. You know, you've known me for a long time, Sam. You know, I'd like to think you know me as a person and what sort of person I am. Um, I don't think I would have ever got the opportunities across the different organisations I had if if um, I was a shit coach or a shit person. Yeah. But um, I also understand that um, there's been a lot of agendas at play. Um, so do, do I want to put my head up again at the moment? No. Um, I want to invest my time in some other areas. I still love doing what I'm doing with regards to I get my coaching fix yeah. and doing some stuff already and I get my coaching fix doing some stuff for the nights. Um, it, will I go full-time again? I, I'm not sure. I've, I've had opportunities already and I've, I've knocked them back, mate, um, with regard, not as a head coach but as yeah. um, you know, um, senior assistant coach. But I'm liking the balance I've got at the moment, mate. And I don't know whether I want to um, do it, you know, do it full-time again, mate. You know, that's maybe for down the track, I'm 46. So I suppose I'm still young enough to, to coach again, but yeah, I want to do positive things and, and be a positive um, influence in whatever I do. And um, I don't want to get caught up in negativity, mate, or toxic, toxicity. And um, yeah, I've had a bad experience and I'll see what happens, mate. But yeah, I'm, um, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying doing what I'm doing at the minute. In, in the grand scheme of things, you know, coaches, you know, like yourself being swapped halfway through a preseason, uh, coaches getting bumped after half a season. Do you think there's enough in place to help and support coaches? Um, no, th- there's not, mate. No, there's not. And it's not just in rugby league, mate. Like I've got a lot of um, friends who are super rugby head coaches and AFL head coaches, and they've got the same challenges. You know the. Um, you know, the, the mental health, the physical well-being, even relationships um, are really challenged um, as a head coach, um, the, the scrutiny, et cetera. Look, you get financially rewarded really well. And, Sammy, I get, mate, I bought some of this on myself, mate, with regards to making that unpopular decision to go to the Broncos from South Sydney. You know, so I get it, mate. Um, I've had my part to, to, to play in, in some of the... Um, you know, scrutiny or whatever, and um, you know, and I've got to, I've got to live with that. But um, yeah, there needs to be some support for for coaches uh, across all sports. I reckon most coaches make get into coaching because they want to help others. Yeah. You know, I certainly I did. Mate, I was a teacher, and I love teaching because I was heavily influenced by guys like Cyril Connell or Paul Bunn. You know, the, you know Bunny. Well, Bunny yeah. was my teacher and sportsmaster and. But they made a really big influence on, on me. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to be a teacher, to help others and influence others. And then I got into coaching because um, I had some good coaches who helped me be a better player. Not that I was a great player, but be a, an okay player and 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 help me off the field. And that's why I got in into coaching, to help others, not to not to have players serve me. It was me trying to serve others. And that's the way I've tried to coach. 
yeah, it, it, it was, yeah, it, it's it's challenging, but I think there needs to be more support. But I think most coaches go in with that idea. You know, they want to help others. Yeah. Do you think the mainstream media and social media have taken the gloss of, the gloss off maybe becoming a coach? Sammy, mate, I, I was the most written about person in rugby league for two years. It's ridiculous, mate. I, yeah. what, that should be writing about the players and how good the players are and how good the game is and all that. Yeah. Um, but it's all about clicks, mate, right? So we know that newspapers don't sell anymore and we know that news agencies don't make their money from classifieds anymore. Yeah. So it's all about clicks, mate. But that's, you know, I mean, if you're going to, if you, if you're going to, be a head coach in a high-profile sport. It comes with the territory, mate. So, um, no, I get it, mate. But um, I think coaches, generally speaking, you know, are there for the right reasons and, and want to help players get better and help players become better men yeah. um, and, and or women. You uh, gave the chance to opportunity to a lot of young kids to play rugby yeah. league. A lot, of, a lot of guys debuted uh, underneath you. Who was one of the most talented that, that you saw? Um, well, that is something that I am proud of, that at both South and Brisbane, I was able to give some opportunities to players, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think the most talented um, debutant now, you got to remember, like, Payne has already played one game before I was coached there. So, yeah. and, and I think David had played 10 or 12 games. Katoni had played 10 or 12 games. But those guys are super talented. Yeah. Um, you know, I think Xavier Coach is one that I sort of probably – take great um, pride in, sort of plucked him across the road. He was only in the EPD um, and asked him to come to training because he just saw some athletic abilities in him. And I gave him his debut against Cronulla um, in 2019. He done, literally just turned 18. Yeah. Um, Sunday afternoon, so he's I just, sat on the sideline and watched yeah, that one. Flew through yeah. the air, scored his first try. But he flew in the air, scored yeah. a try. Flew through the air to score a try. So I think he's probably, you know, one of the most... Uh, he's had to work hard too, but he's one of the most, um, what would you say, most um, satisfying guys of getting to boot. I've got a really high opinion of Tommy Deard and Paddy Carrigan and Tommy Flegler as well. Now, those boys are uh, fantastic players and fantastic men. I just want to see them develop and, and, and reach their potential. Um, Adam Dewey was one um, at South Sydney who I gave it to boot to, and I think he's been you know, really, a uh, really good player for West Tigers, and, and he'll go on the you know, bigger and better things as well. Um, yeah, so there's certainly guys that, yeah, you take great pride in. And, and even someone like Damien Cook, I didn't give him his debut, but just sort of probably taking him from being a fringe player or a bit of a journeyman um, who wasn't at times in the 17 the year before and giving him an opportunity to start and back him um, to see where his career has gone is something that, um, you know, I really um, enjoy watching from afar as well. Seebs, uh, mate, uh, after the roller coaster that you've been through as a as a coach, uh, it's great to see where you're at at the moment. Um, giving back, uh, continuing to give back, and uh, being an advocate for change, especially with all the social media stuff. Uh, that's great to hear, and it's good to hear that you're in a good headspace. Um, Seebs, just want to thank you very much for uh, coming on the podcast and and sharing your story, mate. Mate, uh, legend, Sammy, mate. Um... Appreciate the invitation, mate. And as soon as you sent me a text, mate, I, I jumped at it, mate. I um, respect you a lot, as you know, and always admired you as a person. Um, so, mate, no, my pleasure. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it.